You're listening to the Take Him With You podcast on the Stitcher Radio Network. Welcome, everybody, to episode number 225 of the Take Him With You podcast. I'm Rick. And I'm Amy. Stick around. Well, welcome everybody to our special Memorial Day podcast of the Taking With You podcast. Podcast. Okay, you said podcast quite a bit, didn't you? Thank ya? you. Well, we are one. Yeah. So yeah, we already said that I'm Rick and I'm Amy, and we're glad that you're with us today. So this weekend here in the United States of America, uh, we have a holiday called Memorial Day, and it's a day. Or actually, the the weekend we kind of celebrate for the whole weekend. But Monday, actually tomorrow, when uh, well, because we're recording on Sunday, uh, tomorrow will be the official day of Memorial Day. And basically, what it does is it honors those people that lost their lives in our armed services for the United States of America. And so it's a it's a very it's kind of a solemn holiday, but at the same time, it's kind of recognizes uh, our freedom, and it's just really cool. Yeah, traditionally, it's a day that people would go and um, and kind of clean up the graves of the fallen soldiers or family members and put flowers. Well, actually, it started, if you want to know, it started as a, a thing called Decoration Day back in the 1860s. Right after the Civil War. And they picked May 30th for the date of it because that was when most of the flowers were in bloom. Yeah, you could find... Um, in our area, a lot of rhododendrons and azaleas blooming this time of year. And yeah, but mm-hmm. pr- probably more of the Midwest and the East Coast has Lots more flowers, flowers than we do right now. blooming in the spring. We're, we're on the West Coast in Aberdeen, so. Yeah. Washington. Yeah, so we're going to make it kind of a quick introduction today and not go into too much detail of what's going on at our house because we have a great message today. Um, it's actually an interview. An interview today with um, my brother-in-law and my sister who um, my brother-in-law is an author he's written three books yeah and we're going to talk about his last book that he wrote so we'll get into that and then come and do a quick close here in a couple minutes well yeah. probably more like 50 minutes well the first first though before we get into the interview i'm going to read a poem that you'll oh, hear next right. week on the program too but this is a poem that i put together in honor of Memorial Day. So I'll read the poem and then we're going to go right in to the interview. So stick around. We remember. I take for granted the freedom I have and those that paid the price. I'd like to say I remember each day the men and women who made the sacrifice. But all too easy it is to simply live day in and day out for myself to take for granted the breath I breathe and to be blessed with reasonably good health. I can go where I want, drive to and from, with such ease it's not a challenge at all. But the liberty to do as I please was not free. No, others have taken the fall. It's far removed from us, so we don't really see it being fought on another shore. And so simple it is to not even remember the freedom we're fighting for. And while we didn't see them defending us, they were there when they were needed the most. 
quietly defending my right to live at ease, raise my family safe coast to coast. To you, the fallen soldier, the one who gave their life, words can't express my thanks. The lifestyle I live today I owe to you and others that fell in your ranks. Thank you for protecting this country of ours. You laid your life down out of love. The freedom we bask in and live every day is a gift from you and above. We remember you, the heroes that gave up everything for the sake of the U.S. May you rest in peace in the arms of Christ, and to you may God truly bless. Well, here we are um, in a wonderful home out here uh, in the Raymond area, and we have back on the podcast. Now, this time I'm in, in the interview too, but I wasn't last time. But uh, we happen to have my brother-in-law and sister-in-law, uh, Amy's sister and her brother-in-law, Jerry and Laura Rohr with us on the podcast today. Hi, guys. Howdy. Hello. So awesome to have you on the on the podcast. I Before we get started into the questions, I have to say that I don't usually say these things publicly on the podcast, but... Um, we just wanted you guys to know how much we appreciate your support over the years. It's meant so much to us. You know, doing this podcast is a, uh, it's unique. It's, it's, unless you do a podcast, you have, you know, you don't realize the work that goes into it, but, and the people that you reach. But uh, as a result of you, uh, you guys helping us and supporting us, um, we were able to go all the way around the world. So people today in all sorts of corners of the world are going to be listening to what you have to say. Don't get nervous. <laughs> but um, that's a really neat thing to be able to sit in our living room, do an interview like this in your living room, and then uh, take it and put it all the way around the world. We live in very unique times, and the world is much smaller than it was. Sure it is. Yeah. True. So, Amy, why don't you give us a, a quick background here of the last interview that you did, and okay. uh, we'll jump into what we're going to talk about today. Well, last time we talked about the first book you wrote, and it was basically volume one of Lives on Hold. And I found out in this book how you came, the second book, how you came up with the name that Laura and you were talking about a couple of events that we covered last time um, in our interview. Um, one was the Vietnam War, and specifically, a very tragic battle where only four of your friends made it out alive and on the anniversary 19th anniversary of that tragic occurrence um, my nephew your son Matthew went to be with Jesus from a cardiovascular birth defect that wasn't discovered until after it had done its damage and mm -hmm. took its life so two very traumatic events and when Jerry was writing the book and he was trying to come up with a title Laura said how about lives on hold because while Jerry was in Vietnam even though she was going to school and he was fighting it was kind of like they couldn't move on in their lives together until this tour of duty was settled and then of course whenever you go through a loss of a family member you go through um, a time of grief that causes a state of shock. 
you know, especially when someone's so young. And, you know, and even when our father died, he died suddenly. And there was kind of a, a state of shock. You weren't expecting it. And so there's kind of a time where life gets put on hold as you're working through that grief process, which I don't know if you're ever all the way done, <laughs> either from war or from the loss of a child. But as you said in the last book, in the last interview, after about 14 months after Matt's death, you it wasn't that everything was all healed, but it started moving forward. And then, of course, in this book, you catch up on book two, kind of from there, um, when you talk about the birth of your daughter, Larissa, how that kind of started a new chapter of your life. I mean, it didn't put away Vietnam. It didn't put away the loss of Matt, but you had something new to go on and some miraculous well, I, things that we're going to talk about today. Well, and today happens to be here in the United States. Not everybody celebrates this day, but uh, today happens to be, uh, this weekend happens to be Memorial Weekend. Mm-hmm. And so tomorrow will actually be Memorial Day, but uh, basically most Americans celebrate it for the weekend. And uh, so we thought this would be a really good program um, and a good time to interview you because uh, it's so fresh in all of our minds, mm-hmm. you know. So um, you've been busy the last couple of years since we've talked to you and you've written this new book. A big one. Yeah. <laughs> So why don't you tell us a little bit about what motivated you, Jerry, to write Volume 2? And, um, you know, what kind of a process did you go through to, to get to that point? Well, um, we wrote, uh, I say we because it's like I told Laura, it's our story. Right. And uh, released a, an original book back in 2003 by the same title. And... That book uh, maybe didn't sell a lot of copies, but the people involved, it worked. Uh, it helped them do a lot better with uh, their uh, PTSD or whatever they were suffering from Vietnam. And uh, in the meantime, since then, we've had, found a lot more people, met some really nice people, and I think uh, we're up over 150 active on the email and over 400 located all together from wow. the time our unit, which was Bravo Company, uh, 2nd and 5th Cavalry in Vietnam for seven years. Wow. Um, so, okay, so for the listener that hasn't heard the first interview with you and, and they haven't read your books, um, basically now you you have taken, uh, you've taken your time to go and search out people that you haven't seen for years and years and years that were in Bravo Company, in Bravo Company with you, correct? Mm-hmm. And right. as a result of that, um, you've written all sorts of really interesting and you had great experiences, some amazing experiences. And uh, it must have been, I mean, is that what motivated you to write the second book is because you were having all these I wanted to things. help my, out my uh, brothers, Vietnam brothers. And... Um, in the meantime, there was another group of uh, gentlemen that were in Cambodia together in uh, 1970, mm. before the war was over. President Nixon sent American troops in there, and these guys were part of that. We were already home, and Laura and I were in college. But uh, they started finding people, and they were uh, pretty uh, t- 
technologically savvy and they, they worked together as a group and they started finding each other and then wives got involved and pretty soon there was a big movement to find everyone. Right. And that's how this has come about. Oh, that's great. And I wanted to uh, get their stories and if it helped them as much as it did our group, the first book, I wanted to get it done. Wow, that's fantastic. Now, um, just recently I've been reading about um, P- is PSD, how do you say it? It's PTSD. Right, thank you. Uh, and that's post-traumatic stress disorder, right? Mm-hmm. And I've, I've read a lot of stuff about it recently in some of my research, and I have found that one of the ways to, to get through that is to talk to someone where you can actually say what you someone, really want to say. They can relate to you, probably. And I didn't realize that so many people have bottled up the experiences that mm-hmm. they had because mm-hmm. you just wouldn't say that to just anybody. And But if you could relate with somebody and you knew that they had experienced something similar, then you could open up. And it's it's almost like having a, a root canal at the dentist. It it's you know The pain is there, and unless they open that up and get all that out, it's going to hurt for a long time, and it's you're not going to be able to chew right. Mm-hmm. But right. when you finally get it out, it does a lot of help. So you're actually being part of the solution. Well, in to a degree. Um, brokering people together. <laughs> yeah. Um, PTSD is very complicated. It is. And, uh, it is. I don't discuss it too much with people because I don't know much about it. Right. Well, but, it's different. Uh, for it's, yeah. it's different, too, for everyone. Right. Just a little bit different. And, um, it used to be... A, Delayed stress syndrome in the early 70s. Before that, it was shell shock. Shell shock or rattle, rattle, or something. Right. Rattle, something. Yeah. Right. Yeah. right. And mm-hmm. um, there was one uh, angel killers or something back in the Civil War, I think it was called. Wow. And it's been called by a lot of things. Like, well, sure. Like night terror. It's not a new thing things, at all. It? It, no. And I think one of the reasons is because, um, I mean, our society is a lot more open about talking about things like this now, but... It's just, it's something that, it's just, it's a, it's a tragic, when we go through tragic things, it's hard. Anyone can have PTSD. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whether you come upon an accident and need to help out, mm-hmm. uh, whether you're a paramedic or not, you still, yeah. a lot of our medics are packing bad mm-hmm. memories. Sure. Sure. Or police officers yeah. Or yeah. Right. Yeah. on the front lines of, of disasters. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, you have had some great strides in getting a hold of people because of our friend technology. <laughs> uh, well, it can be a friend and it can also be a burden, but uh, can you tell us a little bit about how technology's helped you heal yourself and reach out to others? What, what type of things uh, has it done for you? Well, technology has opened the door to communication mm. a lot more than what we had before. Uh, before the computer came along, would we have telephone and letter writing? Snail mail. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and well, it was like that too. <laughs> slow. Yeah, we still have that, of course, but uh, it made information available at right in the home eventually. Yeah, and that that probably helped find. How did you actually physically go about it? Did you you got a name uh, names from? Was there like a register or something? Or first time we visited. Um, the Vietnam Veterans Memorial in Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. Um, was special week for us. Uh, we had uh, been married 25 years, and Justin's uh, 
graduation. Graduation and Matthew's birthday that week and Larissa's birthday and uh, Matthew's class would have graduated and or they did. He would have graduated and it was just a good time for us to get out of town and happened to be a big weekend for O.J. Simpson too. We had his chase. Oh. <laughs> down the freeway oh that's right the, the white the little, i remember that the white van i think everyone remembers yes, the it was a bronco van. actually i think yeah. a white bronco yeah so we uh back in washington dc and toured the wall and i could not remember the names um that was at the 20 some years well, 25 years yeah yeah and uh we went by nicknames a lot mm-hmm. and the name sounded familiar, but I just wasn't sure. There were some I picked up on right away. but So I came home feeling ashamed of myself and vowed that I'd learn all their names. So wow. um, we were just getting into computer age, and the Oregon Trail was a big thing right about there. Yeah. <laughs> Played that a little bit. Yeah. Once uh, Laura taught me how to use the net, then uh, I started searching for things. and um, Everything from a telephone directory on the net to... Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, I was able to start finding Every one. Sunday afternoon, he would say, I'm going to call this city and ask for this person. And oh. he'd just go down and say, were you related to so-and-so? And they'd say, no, not in our family. Or call call aunt so-and-so. She might know that person. Right, right. And... Uh, he would just go city by city yeah. in the state. I thought it was really amazing. He thought. And that was before Google searches like, right. like we have now. So did you did you have success or was it, there was a lot of closed Not doors? Not a lot or? of success. Um, I know there's like uh, eight page, four pages of uh, hazes in the Chattanooga phone book. Wow. That's a and, lot. And uh, he wasn't in there. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> he was in Alabama instead. Oh. But... Uh, James in the second book, James Hayes, uh, has quite an interesting story. He's a brother, mm-hmm. uh, two, mm-hmm. two ways. Mm-hmm. But uh, actually, it was the other group um, of these 1970 guys that really got it off the ground. Wow. Mm-hmm. We just really had cool. limited success. Right. They had search engines by then and everything, and they were able to. With Jerry's first book, I think he only contacted about six to eight people and then they would correspond in emails and they would tell the stories back and forth and Jerry would print all the emails and file them in a file. Oh, that's great. And then when he started writing his book, he'd go back to the emails. But the very first time they got together, it was just a very small group. And then each time somebody would say, oh, I know where so-and-so is. And and again, that was a very, very small group. And then when they got a web page going with it the others, it did. Mm-hmm. Like I say, the other group, uh, they uh, were more technological savvy, and, and they had a lot of willing helpers. But, and, but you know one of the things, when we talk about our faith in Christ, sometimes it's Jesus going after the one lost sheep. And there is one story in this, the book that really touched my heart where you get, got together for a mini reunion and one of your brothers who you talked to on the phone but he'd gone through a lot of anger and he, he didn't show up for the reunion but someone knew he just lived an hour or two away. 
And so you rented a car and you went out there and I thought, that's kind of brave because, you know, you don't know how he's going to react. And, and you well, tell us, what, tell us what happened. Give us a little. Well, he did have a loaded AK-47 in the kitchen. Wow. As he was looking out the window to see who was there. <laughs> who, who's that? Wow. But, and uh, the wife had lied that he wasn't there, but then the, the four guys in the car looked up and saw him staring out of the window. Yeah. Did he let you in? Did you get to talk to him? Oh, he was very excited to see us. He, oh, when, that's once great. he recognized another thing, the rental car was kind of like an FBI car. Right, oh. so he didn't know who was sedan, at his door. sedan full of guys. <laughs> oh, and, no. Uh, anyway, uh, not that he did anything illegal or anything, but a lot of your Vietnam veterans uh, are untrustworthy of the government. Sure. Mm -hmm. And um, and sometimes rightly so, you know, because they were put in some in harm's Very hard way. situation. Right. Mm -hmm. Well... You know, as a spectator, what I saw, Jerry's had several reunions with the people in his unit, and there were only the four left, but the ones that were badly wounded were sent to like five different hospitals. And so nobody knew really who survived or who made it through. Oh, that all must he, have been really... All he knew was there were only four left when he came back to right, camp. Right. And so then, little by little, he'd hear their stories. And the, ver the first two or three reunions when they got together and their first time of seeing each other and the different ones talking about the battle because there were three different groups, and they'd say... Why did you guys leave us out there? Why did you do this? Why did you do that? They and they were said, angry. and yeah. they were angry at the others. And somebody said they sent us out with the bad radio, and we couldn't contact so anybody. So it wasn't their fault, you know, right? It wasn't yeah, their that fault. Was Jess, were... Jesse, your friend Jesse, tried to call out, and the right. radio didn't mm -hmm. work. Um, there's one scripture as we're as I was reading the book. There's a scripture that came to mind. Now, I. I don't like pulling things out of context, and this is out of context. So just to let you know, but I think the principle is the same, even though it's out of context. In the book of Hosea, um, chapter 4, verses 5 to 7, and now i got to pull it up. Um, it says, my people perish for the lack of knowledge. And in that context, it was talking about the Israelites, um, that there is a time that they didn't know God very well, and spe specifically God's law and God's word. But, um, well, it says, verse 6, says, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. And throughout this book, I could see healing occur when information was finally given to these vets. Mm -hmm. These soldiers that for all these years didn't know what happened to their friends, didn't know what caused them from not getting reinforcements. Yeah. And, you know, and that was a decision made with the high mucky mucks up, not in the battle, but they said, oh, no, we're not going to send help into those two or three battalions or, or two you, platoons. Two yeah. platoons. Yeah. They were left in a, like you said, a, um, it was a situation like... Um, they were kind of like sitting like ducks. Like the Alamo or yeah. the... That's right. Or, right. you know, where you had just a few people compared to the whole Mexican army. Right, right. Well, you had two little platoons with the whole, um, 
North Vietnamese army, and they were left out there to get sacrificed. And they could easily have been totally destroyed. Yeah, mm -hmm. and nearly were. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. I I think well, it the, was just like wow. So, in in these reunions and in the research and and communication, how did the information bring closure to folks, and did it did it help you too? Well, um, closure is a funny word. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> maybe not totally true. <laughs> it, uh, there really isn't closure. Yeah. We have learned yeah. to manage it. A lot of us. Uh, there's various things the uh, VA offers, but uh, it would help to know the truth on why the reinforcements didn't come. Sure, and, sure. Uh, I, I think you bring up a really interesting point of. Um, I remember going through a rough situation one time and, and uh, talking to one of the doctors, that uh, psychologist, and he basically said, well, you're just going to have to live with it. It's not going to ever be okay because it's, and basically said, you're not going to have closure. You're going to have to learn how to live with what you feel like. And I remember that being a stark reality and a little scary. But it it did bring a lot of healing because I realized all right, I'm just now. I'm just yeah. going to have to learn how to deal with it. Back you can't go back and change it. No, yeah. there. Yeah, then that's the that's the hard part about the past. You can't go back mm -hmm. and change it. It's what's done is done. Mm -hmm. But we do definitely have um, the ability to go forward, and how we go forward is up to us, isn't it? It is. Um, I sent one of our brethren uh, email back today. He told me about his rough life he's had. And I don't mention names, but uh, I'd just like to tell you, he suffered child abuse pretty bad before Vietnam, and mm -hmm. then when he got back, rejection uh, from the family and physical rejection, and uh, life's been tough. So I said, uh, uh, Will, your, uh, yours has been a rough life, a situation you were born into, then had the Vietnam experience, that's what we call it, with capital V and E. <laughs> Onto that, and you are commended for hanging in there all these years. Rick spoke in church this morning uh, about putting difficult experiences behind us. He used the analogy that you have. Have you ever uh, noticed the rearview mirror is smaller than the windshield? Uh, Rick went on to point out that, as instructed in the Bible, we are not intended to live in the past. Uh, what Vietnam veteran, combat veteran doesn't to a degree. Sure. But we are to go on with hope. And we can endure the past if we know what is in the future. We endure the Vietnam experience in the last 40 plus years. And it, you endured your family abuse as well. This is not to say you, uh, you do not have scars from both, mentally and physical. Sure. You may have uh, received medals for heroism in combat that defines you, what kind of individual you are. But going forward into the future with hope your defining moments may be ahead in the months and years of your life and the good ones that come uh, the good that comes the, that good may be in merely listening and encouraging others who have ptsd associated with suffering from family abuse or combat hopefully through spiritual maturity you will be able to rise above past experiences and can forgive those who offended you that will put you right with the Lord, and those who mistreated you will learn from your actions. Each of us is a product of some environment or situation. 
you and I, brother, share the Vietnam experience and all that goes with that, which we both know, like a cancer, may, with many different routes, uh, ranging from uh, combat experiences, loss of friends over there, an appreciation by the nation, and rejection by our own countrymen, falsely labeled and accused of being baby killers, slapped in the face by our own president, with a blanket pardon of those who wouldn't report loyally, and over 30 years of disrespect. I know this kind of advice is easy to give, but a whole lot more difficult to follow. Mm -hmm. Believe me, I know. Keep trying, William. Use the tools the VA and mankind offer. Group and individual counseling, medication, and learn more in depth about what Christians believe. Uh, a lot of people say, well, if you're a Christian, then why do you need medication? The Lord provided the medication for us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, and, wow. and that's true. I think sometimes in the church community, people can be weary of taking something, but we are body, soul, and spirit. And if our body gets a chemical imbalance or low on something or high on something, we need to take care of our bodies sure. because our bodies are what we get around in. <laughs> and is this what you read to us? Is that typical? And and I mean, is that something that you that you experience a lot? I mean, is do you is there a lot of correspondence like that? Not too much. Uh, William here opened up on his what's bothering him personally. Right. Most of the guys. Um, we stick up for each other because the nation didn't back when it really right. counted in mm -hmm. the early, early years. Um, but they, there's some underlying anger there. Sure. Mm -hmm. But uh, most people keep it in check. I didn't. But I right. do want to say that quite often somebody will send Jerry an email. We had, um, we had a gentleman that was a friend of his from Vietnam who lost a son and a grandson huh. within 15 months of each other, yeah. both because of hit and run drivers. Oh my. And, and you know, a double whammy like that. So and just, you know, being at the depths of despair and then Jerry just giving him little tiny morsels of hope. And then there was gonna be um, a grandbaby in the future. So he'd say, hold on, hold on, right. you know. That's fantastic. Jim will like it. Okay. <laughs> Something that we didn't put in the questions, but as I'm listening to you, it's obvious, Jerry, that faith in God has been a huge help to you was it always like that, or did you have to come to a point? I mean, what? Because obviously, you know, obviously God has helped you to get through a lot of this. And like you say, it's never really over, but it's definitely better than it was. So mm -hmm. tell me just a little bit about your faith. How did you? Well, I became a Christian at 19. I knew the Lord existed, God existed, and uh, heard of Jesus. But it wasn't until the Lord sent Laura, Laura into my life that mm -hmm. I. I really became a Christian, but I was in, in my infancy, and uh, I went to Vietnam knowing uh, 
my responsibilities mm -hmm. and uh, how I should act and everything. Yet I was put in a combat situation and I felt the Lord knew I was there and that was good enough for me. Right. But uh, as the years went by, it, we're expected to grow. And then uh, when you lose a, your own child, it uh, hurts real bad. Uh -huh. uh, any loss like that, whether it's your parents or your sure. spouse, a lot of the guys I was with are starting to lose their spouse now and they're hurting pretty bad. Sure. Uh, that's the time you start doing soul searching. And as far as uh, our loss with Matthew, we wanted his life to mean something. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't know how people make it through uh, losing a child without faith. Yeah, I don't either. Yeah. Well, the statistics are, are staggering as far Most as... Most don't. Right. Yeah. At least most marriages. My my son had a good friend who um, they grew up together. You don't have to, to tell the details. To story time together, and you know, them, his friend was killed recently, and the parents right now aren't together. I'm still praying for them. They both know the Lord, but it's tough. Mm -hmm. It's, very it's tough to lose a child. Okay, this is also not on my questions. But, That's all right. But I'm curious because I've had these feelings when things have gone haywire were you ever mad at god for for a long time i i wasn't i think a couple of years later i started getting upset over it how did you deal with that because you're not mad at him anymore no it didn't last long well there it's, are it's, the is it five a it's a natural thing of, isn't it? yeah there yeah. are the five steps of grief and anger is isn't one it? of them yeah it is you know maybe i wasn't didn't know it well, that could be. Well, I, I remember people it. saying, well, you shouldn't ever be mad at God. But I found that if you can't be honest with him, who are you going to be honest with? He right. knows. He knows. <laughs> right. you know, I said. He can handle it, too. You know, if anybody can handle you. Lord, you brought Lazarus can. back from the grave. Why can't you bring Matthew right. back? Right. You know? Yeah. I, I do know that I, I kind of challenged him. Sure. And that's, Asking I think, just that. natural, normal. I actually had the same thought going up to the hospital. I was driving in the car with Rick, and I'd heard that Matthew passed, and I was thinking, well, maybe God will raise him from the dead, you know? He was yeah. like a little brother to me, you know? Yeah. But we don't understand everything, and I think it's okay to be mad at God. And I know some people might go, oh, that's heresy, but... Well, I don't like think you should I be said, mad at him forever, but... Like I, I said, <laughs> but like I said to Jerry... If anybody could handle our raw emotions, sure. God can. And sure. if you read the book of Psalms, which I know when Matt and Justin were little, you had this Bible that you had highlighted Psalms and Proverbs for yeah. the boys. Because you wanted them to have a solid foundation and you know, and wisdom in their lives. You still have that. Oh, yeah. yeah. The code of ethics, that's right. Yes. Yeah, and you wanted them to have that strong foundation of, of biblical principles that would help them have a full life mm -hmm. a solid grounded life and and good values and and it, whenever I read the Psalms I see David was a very emotional person and sometimes he goes sometimes he chewed out God and he said God why are you letting these guys come after me he was like for years and years he was on the defensive and he you know was in battle after battle and and, you know, we talked about hypervigilance that comes with being a, a serviceman and always having to look. And I'm sure David fought all those same feelings. So, sure. 
But I think, like I said, if anybody can handle you being upset with them, I think God can. Sure. <laughs> it, it would only last just a little while. Yeah. Mm-hmm. go. <coughs> Excuse me. Well, okay, so after experiencing such great loss in lots of different forms, and maybe even hearing stories of people experiencing that, um, what were some keys that you found in your own life to overcoming that depression and that, um, well, just the depression and the, the, the hard hit of that? How did you find joy again? Because when I see you, you've got a smile on your face and you know, you're doing so much better than you were. So how did you do that? Because, I mean, that had to have been hard. Well, the depression wasn't just from Matthew either. It was uh, the Vietnam experience. Sure. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, PTSD has a lot of depression in it. Yeah, mm-hmm. oh, I, I agree. And I don't want to hide behind PTSD either, but uh, I have my, my share of it, I guess. But there's guys that had a whole lot worse experiences than I did, and mm-hmm. hard hard for them. But anyway, uh, getting back to this... Um, how I overcame it is how what we're taught as Christians to take the situation if it's bad right now know in your heart you're going to come out the other side eventually right and it's like I relate it to being a test and um, we had a lot of this with Larissa going through college and up against all these odds to get into paramedic school and all sorts and all of and Laura and I knew oh, yeah. that she'd come out the other side mm-hmm. you know, she was still learning that, that sure right just have to have the faith to, right yeah. you know to stay in there it seemed like the year before she got into paramedic school it was like a 26 page application <laughs> and 300 documented calls and a 40 minute interview 300 miles away and you know so we were on an emotional roller coaster and you know, it was like we prayed her through then, and once she got in paramedic school, we said, the Lord made it happen. You're going to get through. It's and going to be there. And you look know? at her today. And, the Lord spoke to our heart. Right, and uh, she made it through paramedic school, and she made it through Fire Academy, and she has thrived and survived and excelled. Yeah, and she's a great young lady. We, we've had a real peace about that. Mm-hmm. And then another thing that helps us through is um, sometimes when we see somebody that's having a hard time or we see a situation, we call it the Matt Roar Ministry. And so we just do something since, you know, we didn't have Matthew to spend money on or to do things with or, or whatever we are passing it on right. to other people in his honor. Right. That's really cool. And I think really that cool. it helps us personally. Yeah. And, you know, it would, it's it's so opposite of what you would normally be taught. You know, it would be taught to, well, just hang on to everything and, you know, make sure you, you're... But when you give and you, you know, and you do it with that kind of a purpose in mind, wow, so many people are blessed. Not, not only are, are the people that you help blessed... But you come away with a, going, wow, we were just used by God. That There's nothing better than that. Mm-hmm. You won't catch me whistling and walking along singing very often. Right. Uh, Larissa coming into our lives 
has made a big difference. Oh, she, she's a sunshine. <laughs> to all of us, you folks too, I think. Yes, mm -hmm. and, uh, very much so. Mm -hmm. I guess there's nothing like a little baby. Yeah. She wasn't born in a manger or anything. <laughs> <laughs> she spent some time out in the barn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. lots yeah. of time. <laughs> that must have been, um, well, yeah, you're right. When you, when you have something you guys can concentrate on together, mm -hmm. and such a joy, you mm -hmm. know, and boy, look at how she's turned out. You, yeah, mm -hmm. I bet you can't be happier. That's just... Mm -hmm. She's great. And one reason she went into becoming a paramedic was uh, she wanted to help people. Right. She's very compassionate. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I wanted to say a little more about uh, why I wrote the book. Sure, please. Um, after the first book experience, I wanted to help others. And uh, about that time, uh, the other group was really finding people. And so I decided, oh, I need two books. And... Um, I'm going to back up just a little bit that the, especially the founding fathers of the, our Bravo Brethren, I call us, um, Bravo Brotherhood, um, there's a lot of Christians involved here. Mm -hmm. I was really surprised, and you can tell. Mm -hmm. So I was free to, uh, I mean, I felt at ease, which you should, I guess, writing the book with uh, some Christianity involved. Sure, sure. And, uh, no one has complained. A lot of them appreciate it. So. That's great. That is really great. But um, why I wrote it. Um, so I could see the need. The first book was just the experience of us guys that were together in 68 and 69. Because I didn't know how it was to go into Cambodia or uh, some of the battles. Uh, when the Marines were up at Quezon, our, our company actually went in there and helped. Get them, helped them um, get out of there again. Um, those kind of things. There was a major battle called a Mother Day, Mother on Mother's Day, mm -hmm. the sixty-eight. Yes, mm -hmm. and I learned more about these. Are we on? Sorry, I just right. getting a, a message, but I, I, oh. I can answer it later. Anyway, uh, so <clears throat> through uh, reunions, and actually, I've not met most of these people yet. Wow, but. Uh, we have reunions every year, and I'm just finding that uh, I learned a new word, uh, meaning to the word family. I bet you have. These guys, um, they realize families forever. Yeah. When I came back from Vietnam, I didn't want, I wanted to just kind of go on with life, and uh, the best friend I had there was killed. But it turned out these other guys are actually good friends. But, yes. you know, when you're in a leadership role, there's a little bit of a wall between you. Sure. And some of them, they still recognize the wall at first, and then the wall come down now that we're just out of the Army. But, right. Um, so I included a lot of the others' experiences. You know, as you read in the book, gave their quotes of their own, what it was like. Mm -hmm. So... The American public will know, and, and future generations will know how we actually were treated. Wow! Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It it was sad when I read about one guy that, you know, on his trip home he was spit at several times. Oh, and yeah. it's just like, oh my, you know, that's just horrible. I wouldn't spit on a dog, you know, that's just mm -hmm. disrespectful. Uh -huh. Right, and he had just spent five months in a hospital yeah. and had to learn to rewalk. Yeah. And was walking with a cane, and then they 
throw tomatoes at him and spit on him. It was horrible. Have you, I mean, I've never, I've not seen that happen now in this day and age. But Mm -hmm. has it, it's way better now, isn't it? I mean, don't you? Oh, yes. Yeah. What do you think, what do you think turned the tide with that? Was it, I don't know. Well, what do you say when someone receives a draft notice and they won't report? Yeah. I don't know what's in their heart. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> I uh, thought at the time, but uh, I won't. They can speak for themselves. Sure. But it wasn't just that. Uh, it cost a great division. Sure. Uh, it was politics. I think uh, Dan Rather made a statement about uh, we were loyal young men, but we were sent to the wrong war, which, you know, kind of was. Sure. The wrong war, but it was part of the Cold War, also. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you had communism. Far more was going on. Yeah, exactly. Our country mm-hmm. was trying to prevent communism, and one thing, and I haven't got the specifics, but some of our best friends may be here today because of our loyal yep. servicemen yep. that went over to Vietnam. Yes, they escaped Vietnam. They had to pay. 50 really? gold coins yeah. per person. They had a large family, so they probably had to sell just about everything they owned. They'd had a, a grocery store market in Vietnam. And there was the mom and dad, and I think, was there six or seven children? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they sold everything they owned to get 50 gold coins each. They were put on a, a refugee boat. And I can't remember how many weeks they were at sea and no one would let them come on, on shore. Finally, the captain, because he probably didn't have food left for them anymore, right. crushed the boat on the rocks so, had that, to be rescued. so that our friends could get to shore. Once they got to shore, they would... They would put them in a refugee camp and feed them, but they were escaping from the communist army yeah. that was coming down on them. And today, they're and pro- today, productive members of our society. Today, they own a That's restaurant great. in yeah. in um, Aberdeen that we go to several times a month, and Rick does their web work for them, right. and we're just very close friends. and And they wouldn't have been here yeah. if there hadn't have been people to hold off the army while yeah. they got out. It's true. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's, we don't, like you said, we don't really understand because so many people, one of the chapters in the book, which I was really touched by, were all the medics. 2,000 medics were killed in the war. Those are the, by and large, bravest like, people I ever met. <laughs> they're, I know. They ran right out of the middle of... They yeah. ran right mm-hmm. out in, what, 68,000... American soldiers? 58. 58. Plus. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so a lot of, we just can't believe that they died in vain. We have to believe mm-hmm. that something, and, you know, if it was just that a few families could escape to freedom, that's a good thing, you know. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of the people, the refugees were the um, intellectuals, a lot of them. Mm-hmm. That was working for us in one way or another, one capacity or another. Wow. Mm-hmm. So uh, we was, got a lot of the. It was many years before our friends got to come here. They were mm-hmm. in refugees camps for a Long couple of years, yeah. I think. And um, the husband and wife met as teenagers in the camp, and he got sent down to California 
and she was in Washington. And every chance he got, he would come up and visit her until he was <laughs> old, until they were old enough and had enough money to get, get married and yeah. get started. Yeah. Well, really I, I just, I just, it's so foreign to me to think of of our own country turning on the young men and women that yeah. sacrifice so much. I, I, I don't understand that mm-hmm. at all. It doesn't make any sense to me, regardless of politics. You just don't do that to your own people. We grew up idolizing John Wayne and yeah. Audie Murphy. Yeah. And who knows? But I do, I do see a guys. difference today. Right. Um, I see a lot of honoring and a lot of... Um, uh, watched, I cry every time this commercial comes on. I don't know if you've seen the commercial, but uh, there's a, it's a commercial in, the, in a diner. And um, there's a... Uh, how's it go? There's a little kid sitting with his dad... And, a, at a, and booth. a young soldier and then a, on I, leave or something right. in, in his uniform. And, and he I think said uh, to him, we, most of us have seen that. Yeah, oh I'm sorry goodness. to interrupt you, but most of right. my brethren have I seen cr- that. I cry every time. <laughs> and, and it's nice, except my first impression. and It's like almost that we're looking for comfort or something. Right. right. And we probably are to a degree, <laughs> but it's not quite like that. No, 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 I would imagine. But it's nice because now we have... a. I had a little girl come up uh, in Washington, D.C. and thank me, yeah. shook my hand. You have uh, a guy, uh, one of our uh, leaders, the uh, founding fathers there. He was in the M- Mickey D's one morning buying some breakfast. Some guy who uh, used to be an anti-war <laughs> protester draft, and draft, draft dodger. Yeah. Gave him a $50 gift certificate and thanked wow. him and told him he was he had been wrong. And wow. Wow. Mm-hmm. So it's... Uh, it's come be- a circle. We are sure. now being sure. honored. And- well, and I think what I heard you say is you don't need people feeling sorry for you. Right. You just would like, you know, just respect us and let's go forward. <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> think, it, yeah, it kind of shows the guy being disgusted because the young soldier was being getting attention. And right, bang- right, right. Which that, that we, probably we wouldn't take case. Yeah, we, yeah. Were, we're, we aren't a dr- jealous. Of no, them. no, no, no. And that's why in the book I do make a couple statements right up front and then in back, but... These young guys and gals are stepping up. They yeah. didn't have to be drafted. Mm-hmm. They're stepping up to defend us yeah. so we can grow. A lot of courage there. They're making that choice. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. And they still and they need our support as they're they coming do. home with battle wounds mentally and physically. They, mm-hmm. And we have a lot of so, young soldiers that are wounded in one way or another that need, mm-hmm. need mm-hmm. our support as a nation and community. All right, I didn't put this on the thing either, but I'm going to ask it <laughs> because, you know, it's just how it is. Um, to close things out, somebody's listening right now to the podcast and they're struggling. You know, they got all bottled up inside and they haven't really done anything with it. They're angry or whatever. I don't know all the emotions. But what would you say to someone, regardless if it was from, from the war or from... A bad situation that happened to them how do they take that first step of getting help um, well of course as Christians we would say get on your knees and get to know Jesus but through prayer and attend church that may not be the starting spot for a non-believer sure you know, for someone <coughs> who uh, if anything would blame the Lord for <laughs> right. putting them in the tough situation yeah um education is a big thing mm-hmm. buy this book 
Yeah, read it. That's great. And now is this on <laughs> iTunes? Not iTunes. Not iTunes. Amazon. Uh, not yet. I have to <laughs> check with my brother-in-law. See how to do that. Well, we're, I, I was going to commit to you that um, as soon as we have that available, we'll let people know okay, how to get a hold of it. Um, and but in the meantime, then, you can contact. Do you have an email that they could request the book at, or if they wanted to? Yes, in the back of the book also. Okay, so give them the email on the on the air here and. Uh, let me finish this oh, okay. statement <laughs> a second. Sorry, um, I, we no, stopped in the middle, didn't we? Um, Hmm. Hey, old age got me. <laughs> well, they could, they could read the book or they could, they could um, get hold of the book. Oh, right. okay, I'm ready. Okay. If uh, they're veterans, go to the VA and tell them you're having troubles. If you're a non-veteran, go to a counselor mm-hmm. or a preacher right? or someone who well, you know is a man of well, faith. Well, I don't even, even uh, like a family doctor, you can, you can talk to exactly. them and they'll find you somebody to... Right. To work with. Go get some help and don't be afraid to, be, to go on medication. Uh, but don't go off of it. Right. <laughs> yeah, right. you could ruin a bunch of stuff there. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and I've heard of guys that are not taking it, just throwing it over their shoulder, and that doesn't really help. No, it's their choice, mm-hmm. but it's not, it's not going to help them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, the email address in the back of the book that's okay to give it out you can order by email jjllrohr at yahoo.com awesome we'll put that in the notes of the podcast too um there is a mailing address here um, jerry roar that's j-e-r-r-y and then roar is h-o no r-o-h-r sorry a little dyslexic there um p.o box 482 Raymond Washington 98577 that's P.O. Box 482 Raymond Washington 98577 and the, and the book is called Lives on Hold Volume 2, two. and there is also Volume 1 that is available sure. and I think Volume 1 is on Amazon no that was the original oh that was the original and it's out of print okay. these are a second edition oh uh, okay see i did not know it's just like just your textbooks in school uh, they have new editions to make the writer more right mm-hmm. <laughs> right then right. uh yeah. this is a second edition yeah. and this will probably be it for me uh, as far as writing about the vietnam experience might have some uh, other books in you though huh <laughs> well i left quite a bit about matthew out of this one and we'd like uh, to maybe write something more on the children's or young um, elementary age students he did there's some really neat stories about what he did for other people out there oh that's great that's fantastic Uh, and about him going to camp and impressing kids and that's great how they reacted when they heard he was gone and things Mm -hmm. well we definitely have it's been a privilege to have you on the podcast again um we just we, we don't have time to go into all the great stuff there's so much more we could is there, any, is there any last thing you'd like to say before we, before we pray? I can't think huh? of anything. Um, okay. The Lord has blessed me with a great uh, spouse here. Our marriage survived uh, uh, Matthew going on ahead of us. We, mm-hmm. I prefer to put it that way. Sure. Mm-hmm. And um, Vietnam, he brought me home, and I'm thankful for that. Well, we're thankful for that, too. Right. <laughs> well, again, when we named the book... It, it is named Life's in, on Hold, but there's a tagline that leads into it, and it says, Life-changing events often put 
lives on hold. That's true. And so there's a lot of life-changing events in anybody's life. Mm -hmm. And those life-changing events do put your lives on hold, and it's what you do then that makes the difference. Absolutely. At the bottom of the title page of volume, or the front cover of volume one, it says, uh, uh, captive to the Vietnam War. Mm -hmm. and, and then this one says, any Vietnam veteran will agree with you. Yeah, but this one has a dark cloud moving away. Yes. <laughs> and it says, life after the Vietnam War, and there's a rainbow coming out. So. It's down the road of life. Yeah. <laughs> Well, thank you again for being on the program, and, and uh, thank you for, I know it took a lot of effort to write all that. That's a lot of work and a lot of sacrifice for on the family part, too. So, Oh, it was thank hard you. emotionally. Oh, uh, yeah. And then I would get angry while I was writing it, and Laura and Larissa would have to tolerate me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know what that's like, don't you, dear? She's not going to say anything. <laughs> well, why don't we pray, and then... Um, and then we'll close. Lord, thank you so much for using Jerry and Laura to minister to so many people. And even on this podcast, Lord, thank you for them sharing their heart and sharing some of the stories that they have today. Um, it's amazing, Lord, all the things that we can experience in life, but how awesome and how graceful you are in our lives and we're so grateful for that god we pray for every person listening if they're struggling maybe they've gone through a rough time something's happened to them or or whatever experiences that they've had we pray god that they would reach out to you and they would begin that that journey of faith on moving forward and uh, we also pray lord for those that that aren't believers or or that may not become believers that somehow some way um, that you will bring people into their lives or that they will seek out people that would help them. And uh, we just give you praise and we thank you for all that you're doing in our lives. And, and we're, we're so grateful for you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Well, there you go. That was the uh, very special interview uh, with my brother-in-law, Jerry Rohr, and his my sister-in-law, his wife, uh, Laura Rohr. And uh, I think it was uh, a cool interview, Amy. Yeah, and um, after the interview, um, you helped him set up his website. Yeah, so, so if people want to go and check the book out or maybe even... Uh, communicate with Jerry, maybe order the book. We're, we're setting up the order forms right now, but uh, you can get a hold of him by going to www.livesonhold.com. <coughs> and then you'll get your right to it. And you can always write to Jerry if you want to at jerry at livesonhold.com or uh, to Laura at laura at livesonhold.com. Yeah. And thank you again, you guys for being on the program. It's uh, it's so good to hear perspective in different areas of life. And, you know, especially these folks, uh, they have such grace and such compassion for people. And uh, one of the reasons is because they've gone through a lot of rough stuff, but they've come out on the other side doing really well. And uh, it's just an honor to be part of their family. Amen. Okay, so aim next week. Next week, we're going to play... 
the sermon that you What did you think of it today? Did you like it? I thought it was really fun, and I think everyone will really enjoy it, especially your diving board story. Ha! <laughs> I share a couple story, a roller coaster story and a diving story. So, so very hilarious moments in there, and um, yeah, we had a pretty good turnout for the Baptist yeah for Church Memorial Day Raymond. weekend. It was a yeah, lot. Yeah, there's quite a few people there. I think so. half the people were your family. But... Uh, yeah, about. Yeah. <laughs> but I have a big family, so you that's do. pretty good. So we'd love to have you uh, tune in next time uh, for another exciting episode. I've taken him with you. Good job, dear. Okay, well, why don't you... Uh... This has been a Moyer Multimedia LLC production. Copyright 2013. All rights reserved. And please, we'd love to hear your comments. You can get a hold of us at rick at takehimwithyou.com uh-huh. or amy at takehimwithyou.com or facebook.com forward slash Rick Moyer or facebook.com forward slash amy.moyer. And don't forget, this week I was on a couple of other podcasts, the Treks and Sci-Fi podcast, talking about... Star Trek ships, yeah, okay. with my friends Jeff and uh-huh. Brian. And I was also on the Ragtag Fugitive podcast with my friend Chris and our guest host, Jen Rhodes from the Anomaly podcast. Mm-hmm. So you can get your fix of Rick. Yes. You I don't know listen. why anybody would want to, you but you know what I mean. You can listen to Rick all day long. No, please. No, no, no. no. <laughs> they don't, don't let them suffer. All right. Well, we'll see you next week. Thanks, everybody, all for right. tuning in. And again, uh, have a great Memorial Day uh, well, weekend. Weekend. Yeah. Bye.